Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, where two friends sit and talk about music for a little bit. My name is Scott. I'm here with my good friend, Brand. Brand, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. Happy to be here. Happy to talk music with my musician friend. Musician? I don't know. I, Ooh, I want to say music. In years. I wanted to say music friend, but for some <laughs> reason, my head wouldn't let me put music and friend beside each other. So yeah, I had to throw something great. in between there. We're doing great this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. Long <laughs> pre-show meeting. <laughs> yeah, we're back to a normal episode where one of us gives the other uh, an album to listen to for a week. And since I'm introing the show today, it means I gave Brand a record this week that I'm sure was a smash. And this week we're talking about Tom Waits' Blue Valentine. We'll jump into the notes. Thomas Allen Waits is an American musician, composer, songwriter, and actor. His lyrics often focus on the underbelly of society and are delivered in his trademark deep, gravelly voice. He worked primarily in jazz during the 1970s, but his music since the 1980s has reflected greater influence from blues, rock, vaudeville, and experimental genres. Now, this record that I gave you is deep in the 70s, so we got that jazz influence going on this week. There's still there's still some blues in this thing. There's still there's some definitely blues. Definitely blues. Yeah. But he hasn't at, at this point, he hasn't hit his experimental phase, which is something that might come later on down the line. Like for, like for the show? Yeah, oh, for the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I might bring another one. Okay. Even if you groan the hell out of this one, he's got some really crazy stuff that happens later on in his career that I'd, I might bring you. I mean, as I've said, whether I love something or groan something, I'm always up for another one if, if, if it's on the docket. Yeah. Well, this one is definitely on the dog, and he's one that I could give you like three or four different records from, and none of them will sound the same. It's kind of like the King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. Right. Kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> he, he is the King Gizzard from back back in the day. He's the OG King Wizard. King yeah. Lizard. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, isn't isn't Jim Morrison the original Lizard King? He's the Lizard King. Not the King yeah. Lizard. <laughs> but he's not King Gizzard. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Waits was born and raised in a middle-class family in California. Inspired by the work of Bob Dylan and the Beat Generation, he began singing in the San Diego folk music circuit as a young man. He relocated to Los Angeles in 72, where he worked as a songwriter before signing a recording contract with Asylum Records. After releasing seven albums for Asylum, Waits produced the soundtrack for Francis Ford Coppola's film, One from the Heart, in 1981, and subsequently made cameo appearances in several Coppola films. So not only is he a musician, he is an actor. What, um, you got any Bob Dylan records you're big on? I, yes. I really like Blood on the Tracks. That's probably my favorite Dylan record. Throw one on the list because I've never yeah. listened to a full Dylan record. I've only, I only know that really one track, to be honest with you. All Johnny's in the basement time. cooking up some medicine out on the pavement. Think about the government. Gotcha. Okay. That is not That's the, like, the only track I know. Blood on the tracks. I have to go back and listen through because there were a couple Bob Dylan records I was pretty big on, but they were kind of. Uh, not necessarily big ones for everybody else. Like everybody else loves blonde, on, blonde on blonde. Um, it's it's good. <laughs> Just shade as you pass by it. It's fine. It's good. You know, I have it. Yeah, I've never listened to a full Dylan record. I know that track, and I'm sure there was something. That, I think there was a music class I took in college where Dylan was involved somehow. But I, I, I think there was a choice where like you could choose you know, X versus Y to write something on. And it was Dylan or something else. And I chose something else. <laughs> That's funny. And and the fact that you remember that it was Dylan, but not what you actually wrote on. Mm-hmm. is kind of funny to me. Yeah, no. And it, it wasn't, I think it was like either Dylan or like something classical. And I, Oh really? So like I, Dylan yeah. or Mozart. And you're like, yeah, give me that Beethoven. Yeah. I was like, I'd rather <laughs> do this over here. Right. I mean, whether it be the Nazi Wagner or uh, who's the dude that did the one that's just a bunch of crazy noises. It's about like Hiroshima. It's called Threnody for the victims of Hiroshima. I think he's Polish. You got me. I I can see the name in my head, but I don't remember how to pronounce it. It's like Pendereki or Pendereski. Pendereski. P e n d e r i k i I think Pendereki Pendereski. If you listen to that, the the threnody of the threnody for the victims of Hiroshima, it's just like a bunch of wild, unsettling noises. It's pretty oh, fucking wow. crazy. Okay, yeah. So I there's our classical. Like, That's probably the only classical we're going to touch. <laughs> or I bring you that Pendereki record. <laughs> <laughs> my my notes on it are: What the hell is this? Yeah. And I think yeah. there's only two sides, because I don't think it's on record. I think it's like he just composed the Threnody, and then I think there's a B-side. So that would be tough. That would be yeah, fucking that'd, hard. that would be rough. Let's draft classical com- compositions. Oh, my God, no. I couldn't. <laughs> there's no way I could listen to just classical for any extended amount of time. Well, there's so, many, there's, so, there's so many classical compositions that are used in other ways now like you could pick the like the star wars theme you could pick oh yeah like flight of the bumblebees which is used everywhere like there's so much different shit you could pick yeah it wouldn't have to be the composition it could be what the composition was used for that you remember right that would be fucking tough either way that would be a boring episode also (laughs) yeah boy (laughs) do we not know how to talk about instruments 
Oh boy, listen <laughs> to that trombone. I I think there's a xylophone there. Uh, yeah. Somebody somebody that would hunt that episode down would be listening and be like, "No, you idiots! The xylophone wasn't invented until 1927. This was clearly a composition from 1815." Right. That, like, oh, that's sorry. the one the one media interaction we'd get with anybody is somebody calling <laughs> us idiots for calling instruments the wrong name. Because you know those classical. Music, those class, those people that consume so much classical music, they're very mean. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They're very mean, very loud, and very outspoken. If there's anything we know about people who enjoy classical, it's that you can't shut them up. <laughs> Way to go for us alienating an entire audience of people. We are amazing. I feel like we do it every episode, though. I feel like we're working on it. Yeah, every episode, <laughs> there's somebody, somebody getting alienated. I'm not doing it on purpose. You're not doing it on purpose, but it happens. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, in the 1980s, Waits pursued a more experimental and eclectic musical aesthetic, releasing three albums for Island Records, while also appearing in films, most notably starring in the 1986 film Down by Law. He was he was a star in that one. Like, yeah, I don't know any of these movies. Did you see Mystery Men? Yeah, the the inventor guy. The inventor guy in Mystery Men who gives, like, uh, who, who helps out. Uh, Mystery Men's like what Ben Stiller's the bowler, right? Yeah, yeah. There's an inventor guy who works in, like, an abandoned amusement park. I mean, I remember, but is that Tom Waits? That's Tom Waits. Okay. Wild. He's, in, he's Wild. In, he, he cameos in a lot of different movies. Like, he was also in um, Anne Rice's Dracula. He was Renfield. Never saw it. Really? Never saw it. Okay, he... Uh, well, we started a movie over. podcast? I, I could with this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just watch all Tom Waits movies? Just Tom Waits appearance movies? Dude, I'd be about it. I fucking love him. He also produced musicals with theater director Robert Wilson and performed them in Hamburg, Germany. In the 90s, Waits returned to California and released two more albums for Island Records, one of which earning Waits a Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album in 1993 for Bone Machine. <laughs> that's, that's, I'd dance under the name Bone Machine in my spare time. That, <laughs> uh, that is a wild record. I don't think I've listened to it all that often. Is it So it's, it's actually alternative is what it sounds like. Yeah, th- that's almost peak crazy tom waits there's a lot of different sounds on that record i found myself looking into the history of the the alternative grammy here and there are some wild things going on like there's some wild nominees yeah and then there's also some wild winners okay and i i I didn't know that nirvana and foo fighters were up for the for an alternative grammy at the same time really yeah Nirvana's MTV Unplugged in New York beat uh, out the Foo, the Foo Fighters solo record. Like debut yeah. record. Yeah. That's wild. Also, like, Sarah McLaughlin was up for an alternative? Like, Sarah McLaughlin, alternative? That's what we're going with. I mean, back in the 90s, maybe. I mean, where else would you put her? I don't know. I mean, really, that's what the, that's what the alternative music Grammy is about. It's just the trash heap of we don't know where to oh, put no. people. <laughs> yeah, like Beck. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh boy Fatboy Slim in 2000 was nominated Beck beat him out that must have sucked oh, thank god he was also up against Nine Inch Nails Moby and Tori Amos these are wild collections 
What Nine Inch Nails record? The Fragile. Fuck you. <laughs> I <laughs> love it out with mutations. Mutations wasn't even that good. Hey, it I hated it mutations. The, it won the Grammy, man. Fuck the Grammys. We're done. At the end of the 90s and into the 2000s, Wait Switch record label is once again releasing six more projects from Epitaph's sister label, Anti. So when we talked about it last week, when you said, wasn't he on an Epitaph comp CD? And I said, I know he was on Anti. I was unaware that Anti was a sister uh, al- a record label of Epitaph. So yeah, he was on that Epitaph comp. And I found out it is Punkorama Volume 4. Oh, solid. What song and was it? Big in Japan? Big in Japan. Yep. I knew it. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's off the record Mule Variations. Great. Did that win the alternative Grammy? Not alternative. I think it won folk something. Mule Variations won for Contemporary Folk Album in 2000. The album Blue Valentine was released September 5th, 1978. It was recorded over the course of six studio sessions held from July to August with producer Bones Howe at Filmway's Hyder Recording in Hollywood. I mean, Bones is a cool name. Yeah, yeah. It's a name, it's a name of my tortoise. What up, Bones? So let's get into the albums that were released in September 1978. Released on September 1st, 1978, we have Molly Hatchet's self-titled record, Molly Hatchet, with cover art by Frank Frazetta. He did most of theirs, right? Or was yeah. it just that one? Yeah. No, he did most of them. The cover art of Molly Hatchet records are always fantastic. So I cool. I don't know if I've ever listened to a full Molly Hatchet record. I, I definitely know I definitely know the hits. And I've been tempted to buy Molly Hatchet records, but I've never have. Yeah. They're they're southern rock, right? Like in that have, Leonard Skinner vein. I have no idea. I, I think feel I like they are. They were. Uh, but their cover art always makes me want to buy the records and never listen to Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, oh, they're from Florida, so it might be even more Oh, my. <laughs> it does say that they were popular in the 70s, early to mid-80s among the Southern rock and hard rock yeah. communities. Yeah. They have hits that I know, that's for sure. I just don't okay. know. Flirting with, flirting with Disaster, obviously. I know that one. That's the only one offhand I see. I don't think I know any of the other ones right now. But Flirt with Disaster is a huge song. I like that a lot. Can I handle a whole record of it? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know if that's a thing that can happen. Also released on September 1st, 1978, Styx's Pieces of Eight. Oh, I don't know which one that is. That is the one with the the face on the cover, I think. Not one of my favorites. I thought that was Grand Illusions. Grand Illusion is amazing, and that's the one with like the animal on the cover, isn't it? Oh, piece, yeah, cover. piece of eight is the faces. Yeah, you're right. It is the yeah. faces. Oh, Renegade's on there? Renegade is a oh, Pittsburgh that's a, staple. That's a monster of a track. I might be the only one on that album I know. Man, is it nice to see fucking ten tracks on an album, though. <laughs> this was the time. This was the the time of the ten-track album. Are you a Styx fan? Like, are you a Styx guy? There are three albums that really hit home for me. Probably the same ones that hit for me, if I'm being honest. Grand Illusion, Paradise Theater, and then Kilroy was here. Uh, Grand Illusion definitely did it for me. That was definitely one that did it for me. Equinox did it for me. I liked Equinox. Oh, a lot. Equinox is a good one too. And then there's, I think there's one more. It's not Crystal Ball. It's not Man. Sticks has some great album covers too. Yeah, they do. 
is it maybe Paradise Theater? Paradise Theater is one of the big ones for me. It's a possibility. Possibility. I know it's not one of those in the 90s, that's for sure. Man, I might need to do a Sticks run-through. I didn't know they had this many records. Oh, yeah, they have a ton. Holy shit. I they're own- prog rock, right? Like, they're considered prog rock. They might be, but I don't think they're very proggy at all. They're just classic they're, rock. I was going to say, feel. yeah, they're classic rock for me, but maybe they were proggy for the time. I don't know. I might have to dive deeper into Sticks. So maybe this time next week I'll have all Sticks records for my nice. fucking record of the week. Nice. It's like, well, I'll take, for my record of the week, Sticks's career from uh, 1972 <laughs> to 1990. <laughs> I've seen them live. I... Don't think I have. I don't think I have. That would have been one that I was with, or like my one of my parents with. And I don't think I have. Yeah, might have been like Sticks in Chicago or something like that that I saw live. Although speaking of seeing live, Molly Hatchet, there is a local biker rally that happens here every year. It's big. It's called Thunder in the Valley, uh-huh. and I think Molly Hatchet has played it three or four times. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like, oh boy, what are we doing? What are yeah. we doing, Molly Hatchet? <laughs> I think they got uh, Foreigner one year, but Foreigner's only one remaining original member now. Yeah, anyway. just one dude. Yeah. Released September 9th, 1978, we have Diana Ross with Ross. Ninth studio album. I guarantee you I own it. I guarantee you I own it. <laughs> I, I need to look now. If I can ever use this for purposes, if I, I can ever own owning these records for any type of purpose, I have to. Right. Um, let's see, I have Diana Ross, I have Diana, I have Red Hot Rhythm and Blues, I have Ross. So yeah, I have there it. Is. Yep, that's her ninth studio album. Yeah, I got it, 83, and then I have one from 87, one from 80, and one from 70. There you go. September 8th, David Bowie released his second live album, titled Stage. You, are you into Bowie's live albums? I own three? Have you listened to them? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And, and they're okay? Because I know you, you you kind of are the same way with live records as I am, where it has to be somebody you're really into. And that, it has to be a decent record itself. Yeah. The fact that I had never seen a Bowie show live, and the live records are the only way I can even come close to experiencing it, that, that's the reason I own those ones. Okay. September 15th, we have Frank Zappa with Studio Tan. I've never listened to Zappa. I feel like... There is a Zappa. There is a Zappa hole that I will be falling down at some point in my life. I, I just feel it. I, I well, like. I know it will happen. Let me tell you, this 1978 album from Frank Zappa is his 24th studio album. Oh yeah, he's has so much shit. And and is that just solo, or does that include with the Mothers of Invention I'm, also? I'm assuming that's including Mothers of Invention as well. Okay. I would hope so. That's just a shit ton of music. Yeah, he has so much. He's like fucking Buckethead at this point. <laughs> right. Released on September 18th, we have the four solo records from the boys from Kiss. So you have the oh. Ace Freely record, the Gene Simmons <laughs> record, Paul Stanley's record, and Peter Chris's solo albums. Man, we may have touched on Kiss briefly before. We have. To me... Like I would, I would love to do a deep dive on Kiss, like to really get into the meat of Kiss. Sure, but there's there's just that part of me that they were such a letdown for me because the way they looked is so cool and it's so sick and all of it's awesome. And then their music was like, 
Oh, let's not talk about Beth. Let's talk about even even their fucking huge hits. It's just like this is just rock. Like this is just generic yeah. rock yeah. music. And again, at the time, they may have been playing it the best. I don't know. Like right. maybe that was what they were huge. But I was already like I knew. Okay, I discovered Kiss and like Mayhem at the same time, basically. Right. Yeah. Or like Kiss and I'm trying to think of who like the first big grease paint were like venom maybe sure uh, but either way you listen to both of those bands both wearing grease paint one of them sounds <laughs> like they shouldn't be wearing grease paint and the right. other sounds like they should be in prison i feel like that's just because you found them both at the same time yeah 100 you know I mean? percent. yeah which i mean i i kind of had the same situation going on like i was born in 82 so kiss was already yeah a, an older thing i'm trying to think of who i would have been listening to that had face paint on as well as kiss but well if you even want to go so far as we had slipknot like yeah. slipknot looked a certain way and then you right. thought if somebody else and i know how you haven't av- hold on hold on yeah. yeah maybe your aversion to stage antics is because of kiss because they look that way and it didn't <laughs> hold up to what you were expecting that i still like a few kiss things but they're definitely not what they look like oh no like, i i like kisses hits a lot i yeah. do I'm, I'm i'm a kiss hits guy i'm a kiss oh, yeah. hits guy I, I i maybe down the road i could be a kiss deep cut guy but as you of now what? maybe I'm we not. should just bite the bullet and do a kiss disco draft they have enough don't they they do and there's actually a couple of records of theirs that i really do i really do like destroyer i, I fuck with hard that'd be a long week of nothing but kiss I, my dad would call me without even knowing what I was doing. He'd be like, "Hey, we hanging out this weekend? <laughs> we can make it happen, though. Like, I'm almost willing to do that. I think I'm willing to do it. I don't I'm know if it'll it be down. the next one. Yeah, write it down. I don't know if it'll be the next one, but write it down. No, I have ideas for the next one. Yeah, because you already have notes done for the next one. Don't act like you're this mis- mystery do. man. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'll tell you straight up, everybody. Uh, I have notes written down for three more discography drafts. Right now. Hold on. I don't even know if I know what two of those. I don't even know if I know what one of those are. I only know two of them. So I'm glad I'm in the dark as well as the audience. See, we'll get there. And the one you might be in the dark on is the one I want to do next. So <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> Classical. He already has his notes done. This is how he works. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not how it works. Uh, anyway, next released on the 21st, Ramon's Road to Ruin. We, I think we talked briefly about the Ramones recently where I said, oh, no, it was just in reference because of, like, The Clash. Like I said, The Clash and The Ramones, yeah. it's it's so early punk that it's it's not separated enough from rock to me. Like, it just sounds like yeah. the rock that was kind of on the radio. It was more their attitude that made it punk, which yeah. makes sense, I guess. But And really, like, the, the fashion... Yeah. Kind of made it, like they didn't dress up like rock stars. They just dressed like normal dudes. Played well, fast. And... It, it wasn't until I got really into the Addicts and then they covered I Want to Be Sedated that I realized how much the Addicts kind of do sound like the Ramones. It just sounds yeah. like they might they might care a little more. Right. Yeah. This was the uh, the Ramones' first record to feature Marky Ramone on drums. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. I was just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> It, sa- it sounded like you set it up like you were gonna give me some wild like yeah and then he went on to be elton john nope he did not do that. 
I think he showed up at a Motor City Comic Con once. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> on the released on September 22nd, 1978, we have Buzzcocks with Love Bites. Have you listened to Buzzcocks? Uh, maybe a record. Okay. But never like in depth. I'm a fan. Buzzcocks were one of those bands that I would have written down their name on a folder in like middle school, thinking that I was cool listening to them and never listened to them a day in my life. Gotcha. Also released on the 22nd, we have Funkadelics, One Nation Under a Groove, recorded mostly in Detroit. Yeah, I don't know what the Funkadelics are. Funkadelic? Not the Funkadelics. I guess I, I misspoke. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. Oh, oh, because it's it's called Funkadelic something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm very unfamiliar. Gotcha. Not really your scene, anyway. Released on the twenty third, Blondie's Parallel Lines. Oh, I love it. I'm a big fan of that one. I own it. Big fan of that one. I, yeah, I like cool. Blondie a lot. I'm a big yeah. Blondie fan. Released on the twenty fifth, we have Village People with Cruising. Man, they just they just could not. And good for them, but they couldn't get away from, or, hold on. Yeah. We're discovering a lot of things this episode. <laughs> are, are they referencing, like, the the verbiage for gay men getting with other gay men, or was that verbiage created from village people? I, I couldn't tell you, but I know when I looked up little notes about that record, it was definitely mentioned. Like, I wonder what the etymology of cruising in that vernacular is. Like, I wonder where it breaks out and who's the first one that called it cruising. I don't know. Well, look for that as a bonus episode. Me diving deep. (laughs) Me diving deep. (laughs) Released on the 28th, we have Never Say Die by Black Sabbath. I don't think that's what I've listened to. Black Sabbath is another one that we could draft we could it's the last they, album of theirs so featuring many. ozzy on vocals they have so many records it's unreal like yeah, with ozzy with dio without both of them yeah like, it's crazy it's yeah. insane i have one that didn't have a release date like as far as a numbered date goes but tina turner released rough uh in september of 1978 her first solo released after her divorce from ike so I imagine it's pretty uh, pretty rough. I do not have that. Yeah. Apparently I have a 12-inch single of Tina Turner, and I didn't <laughs> know I had that. Solid. No, not solid. It's from 86. <laughs> it's typical male dance mix. I don't know what this Ooh, is. Yeah, that's a good one. No. I, no. I might have thought, because I, I, I've never spun it, I might have thought that that was a whole record. So guess what's coming out of the collection today? <laughs> All right, next up, I got the Billboard Hot 100 for the week of September 9th, 1978. Coming in at number five, Exile with Kiss You All Over. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It sounds like hair metal. <laughs> I but think it's exile, way too early for hair metal. I think they're on the, the precipice of hair metal. Yeah, it's way too early for hair metal. Yeah. That's wild. Coming in at number four, we have Olivia Newton-John with Helplessly Devoted to You. That's not off Xanadu, right? Xanadu's 80s. Yeah, Xanadu is 80s. I, I get down with Xanadu. Did she just recently pass away? Yes. I yes. feel like she like, did, yeah. Like this year, last year, early? Yeah. I, yeah. Coming in at number three, we have Foreigner with Hot-Blooded. That's a, that, that track is... That's a perfect track. I don't care. I'm, I'm, 
I'm not an anti-foreigner guy. A lot of people I, I've heard recently are like anti-foreigner, but I'm not anti-foreigner. I like their hits. I don't know. I own a couple of their records, but Is I don't know if I care. I think it's just they're they're considered one of those just like it's a nothing band. Like yeah, they had a couple of good tracks, but it's just like okay, they did that and so like, like like no depth or anything. Yeah, like it's just like okay. okay foreigner, I've never had like, a problem it, with them. I've never had a problem with Foreigner, but I've I've heard recently. Uh, I mean, recently maybe strong. Maybe like collectively <laughs> four different times in the past ten years, I heard somebody say something about Foreigner. <laughs> gotcha. Maybe that's it. Maybe Foreigner not being talked about is what that's makes what... me think people are anti-Foreigner. Right. Coming in at number two, we have the Commodores with once, twice, Big Commodores guy, three times a lady. Big Commodores guy. I I didn't. I, when I first listened to that Commodores record, I didn't even know Lionel Richie was a part of the Commodores. Oh, yeah, man. And then once I learned that that information, I said, wow, Lionel Richie is a legend. And then that yeah. actually, that's that's what got me into Lionel Richie more. Because I always thought Lionel Richie was just like a piano guy. Oh, yeah, no. And then when I listened to Commodores, I said, this is great. And then that yeah. got me more into Lionel shit. Yep. And the number one song, September 9th. 1978, we have the biggest hit, A Taste of Honey, Boogie Oogie Oogie. Come again? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. No idea. Never heard of this damn song, but it rolled in at number one. Week of September 9th, 1978. R&B and soul. Sure. Boogie Oogie Oogie. God damn it. What? I'm trying to listen to this, and there's a fucking ad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. That's a fine track. Whatever. Okay, I got a couple <laughs> other ones further down the list. Coming in at number fifty-eight, we have Dolly Parton with "Heartbreaker." You always got to bring her up. Can't Donna can't leave it. It's Dolly Donna. Parton and Madonna and Lincoln Park. Those are the three we can't leave on the board. That's it. If I see them on any list, they're getting written down. Good luck finding Lincoln Park in 1978 or 76. <laughs> Right, 78. Coming in at number 92, we have Cheap Trick with Surrender. I like Cheap Trick. Yep. Not an anti-Cheap Trick guy. All right, well, Tom Waits' Blue Valentine was released September 5th, 1978. Ten tracks with a runtime of 49 minutes and nine seconds. Brand, tell me what you thought about track number one, Somewhere. First, let me tell you, this is a cover from the 1961 Stephen Sondheim musical West Side Story. Mm -hmm. It sure is. What did you feel about that first vocal sound that you heard? Well, let's first start off by immediately noticing it's a it's a cover. Like it says it right there on on the track list when you listen to it. Right. Opening an album. With a cover of a musical is yeah. bold. It's a yeah. very bold choice. Yeah, but I'm excited about it. Even though West Side Story, it's not even close to like one of my favorite musicals. Like it's not even near there. Yeah, it, I'm it, aware of it. Yeah, I've seen it. Like not a Broadway production of it, but I've seen high schools do it like three or four times now. But even with that excitement that I had, even with a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of like hope that okay, I like musicals just as a whole, I should get yeah. behind this. Yeah. The voice that happens, okay? Yeah. It sounds like an imitation of King Louie from the Jungle Book. Like it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like Louie Prima 
<laughs> and it just like it, it just ruins the song for me. It just immediately His ruins the song. Do. Yeah, this isn't good. It's not good. This track's not good. <laughs> oh no, this track's not good. Emily likes to uh, equate Tom Waits' voice to Cookie Monster. Oh, I have a Muppet reference later. Fantastic. I do have a Muppet reference later, but yeah, great, it's great. Yeah, but no, uh, opening with a musical and then just doing what he did to it. <laughs> wild move, wild move. But let's hope for the second song. That's what I was thinking. My, my thought process was, my thought process was like, okay, that that was a that was a cover. It was his imper- interpretation, whatever. Let's move the next song. Maybe maybe we'll get something here. Maybe we'll get some off this next song. Sure. Tell me what you thought about Red Shoes by the Drugstore. Oh, it's not a song. <laughs> this is this isn't a song. I can't call it a song because if if I call this a song, it's in the top yeah. ten worst songs I've ever heard. I can't. Oh, no. I can't oh, really? stand this. This thing is bad. <laughs> the minimal music and sounds are yeah. not even giving me anything to latch onto or okay. enjoy. It yeah. just leaves me. It leaves me drowning in this Sesame Street imposter yelling. <laughs> So this song uh, includes one of the reasons I gave you this record uh, this time because we're in December now, and <sighs> this song includes the lyric, Santa Claus is drunk in the ski room, and it's Christmas Eve in a sad cafe. Yeah, he could have kept all those lyrics to himself. This isn't, this isn't it, man. This is 0 for 2. This is bad on bad. This is 0 for 2 for me. And right. I, I, I know already, I know already, if I made Metallica fans angry, Tom Waits fans are common for me already. I know it. I don't think this is at the top of most Tom Waits fans' uh, list as far as favorite records go from, from the man. Okay. Well, let's move on to the third track okay. that I had even higher hopes for. <laughs> let's hear what you had to say about Christmas Card from a hooker in Minneapolis. I had extremely high hopes for this because I know you took it in your Christmas draft. I know that you mentioned this song in particular, that how much you love it, even though you said it doesn't really have like that Christmas vibe. It's still a Christmas yeah. song. Yeah. Um, musically, it gives me something like musically. Okay. I can get, I can get behind this. It's actually giving me a little bit to deal with. And then, <laughs> And then his voice is being reined in a little bit in the intro, so like that uh-huh. makes it bearable. Like he's not out there wailing or I don't know, coughing, whatever he does. <laughs> his voice works best on this just because he's not shouting the whole time. Sure. I still I don't like the song. I still don't think it's good. Okay. But it's the it's the best it's absolutely the best so far. <laughs> so if I had to arrange the first three tracks, this is the best one. Gotcha. And then the cover of the musical song is a second, somewhere a second, and then you might as well just throw it at the bottom. Red Shoes is the worst track on this album. <laughs> if it was a song, I would say it's one of the worst songs I've ever heard, but I can't call it a song. I can't classify it as a song. Wow. So let's move on to Romeo is Bleeding. Moving on to Romeo is Bleeding. The fourth track. And, uh, oh no, Muppet Time. That's just what I have written down here. <laughs> I have oh no Muppet time because he might as well have a ventriloquist hand up him because he is just oh, going no. in to Muppet time here. I like the music. Okay. I hate the voice. I hate the voice. Yeah. I get it. Like I understand what the aim and the sound is supposed to be. No. Uh-huh. 
but there's part of me in my head, and this isn't the only reason. It's it's also like sonically displeasing to me. Like I don't like the sound of it. Sure. But then there's parts of me that keep thinking like this is just a put on accent. Like this isn't real. He's saying things certain ways, and it feels like almost potentially appropriation. Like it feels okay. like he's doing a it feels like he's doing a black accent at times, like how the old jazz and soul guys used to do. Sure. And then, then I, then I get in my head about like how Elvis stole everything he ever did. And he's a piece of <laughs> shit. But th- that aside, sonically, I don't like the sound either. It just doesn't do anything for me. I, it doesn't, it doesn't click. Nothing in my head goes, Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's just, I'm just in a constant state of, I'm in a constant state of like fighting off these bees that are his his vocal, <laughs> just the vocal up and downs that I'm hearing. So we're over four, coming yeah, in hot at uh, twenty nine dollars. No, I I just I have to say I don't know if it's fair about the, like the whole you know stealing you know the, the 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 accent and everything. I don't know if that's fair because I I know he's that whole Bob Dylan beat stuff. Yeah. I don't know enough about that whole genre to know if that was stolen. But, like, anytime I hear something with the blues or with, like, soul, that's all I think of. Because, as we all know, the blues was created by the black community. Like, that's just what happened. So, the song also isn't good, but I like the parts where he's not singing. So, I like the music. I'm, okay. I'm down. I'm down with the music. So, next up, $29. $29. Yeah. All right. Musically, again, I can get behind it. But then he derails it. It's a train coming nice at me, and then his voice derails it. And then eight minutes of this is hard. To get. <laughs> eight eight minutes of this track, eight minutes of this voice is hard to get through. Let alone the fifty that I got for this record. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah. So we could just skip on to wrong side of the road. Wrong side of the road. Yeah, sure. Another another song being the reason I gave you this one. Okay, well, I just have, <laughs> I have on my notes here, um, yep. insert insert previous, like the music, despise the singing from any of the previous songs. <laughs> <laughs> now, him scatting is way more bearable than him singing. If he was just scatting the whole record, I'd be more in than I am for what he does with his voice on these other tracks. Okay. It it just it seems unnecessary. It seems a it seems <laughs> false. Like when I actually hear him singing in certain moments, I'm like, that's not bad. And then he does something and like like sucks a balloon down his throat or something. <laughs> and then we're back at square one. I, I don't know what we're doing. Gotcha. Well, look, this one uh, this one contains the lyric: strangle all the Christmas carols, scratch out all the prayers, tie him up with barbed wire, and push him down the stairs. Yeah, I got to tell you, lyric-wise for this yeah. record, I I listened, I did my normal listen through. I listened to it once or twice, just blindly. Then I went in and I and by the way, once could have been enough. <laughs> but then I went in with the lyrics, and then by ooh, probably by twenty nine dollars, I had to stop doing that because if I'm listening with the lyrics, then I'm focusing even more on the voice. Okay. So I was I disliked it even more. So by time wow. by time we hit wrong side of the road and like whistling past the graveyard, I don't know any of these lyrics because I wanted to stop focusing on his voice. I wanted to just I wanted to hear what I could enjoy, and I didn't want to hear him 
sounded like he's singing the blues and adventures in babysitting. I don't know. Okay. Whistling past the graveyard then. All right. The speed of this one helps it. It's okay. it's much more it's much more up tempo than anything we've had so far. It yeah. makes it it makes it more palatable for me, even sure. if I still dislike the vocals. This made me start questioning: Am I becoming numb? Like, am I just becoming numb to these sounds now? Like, is that why I, I this is more palatable? It, it, there's a bit of catchiness to this one, which helps me. I don't know if maybe the spookiness helped it also because right. you know it, there is a little bit of spookiness with the graveyard and everything. Yeah. The spookiness kept it treading water, and then the up-tempo speed of it let it swim a little bit. I don't despise this track. I, okay. I can't say I like it, but <laughs> because the vocals are still rough. But because it's up-tempo, the vocals do not bother me as much. Yeah, this record is pretty slow-moving. Yeah. 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 I, I wonder if there was a whole record of quicker tracks that his voice wouldn't have immediately got to me. Sure. Like it would have at least like maybe sanded me down a little bit, but oh boy. We might find that out later on. Well, I will tell you after my second listen through and then my my one listen through with lyrics, I didn't even listen to the first two songs. I deleted the first two songs. Oh, okay. Like I did I didn't need somewhere. I was like, if I want to listen to somewhere, I'll go listen to a cast recording. I don't need somewhere. (laughs) Right. And like I said, Red Shoes, not a song. So yeah, that's that's it. a skit as far as I'm concerned. They put a, Tom Waits is the first person to put a skit on a record. That's what happened. <laughs> well, how about so, uh, Kentucky Avenue, track number eight? Whew. All right. Off rip with the slow piano, I know this is going to be rough. <laughs> like, I hear that piano, and I know. I just know what I'm in for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, vocally miserable. Is what I have. It is. Wow. It is just. It is miserable to deal with these vocals. With this, this actively puts me in a bad mood. Like I wow. get annoyed and irritated and like upset and mad. Actively, not even just at the record. Like <laughs> in my head, in my heart, I get irritated and upset at this. Wow. My body, my nervous system, everything rejects it. I'm not numb. <laughs> this one made me sure to know that I'm not numb. When I was questioning if I was numb in the last track, not numb. Not numb at all. I felt this deep, sliced, hard. Well, uh, many of the song's lyrics, are they all relate to real people from Waits' childhood, growing up on a street called Kentucky Avenue in Whittier, California. I wonder if they like the song anymore than I do. <laughs> I don't know if they're actively angry about it, but <laughs> it, it actively puts me in a bad mood. And like some of his vocals did all around, like some of his vocals, just he would do something and it just, it's so not what sounds like. Oh, it's, it's so much, not what is pleasing to me. It's so much the opposite <laughs> of what I feel should happen that it, it upsets me. Like it makes me off kilter. It like puts me on my heels. And then I, f- and then I'll fight or flight. Like I'm ready to just fight this. Thing. <laughs> so let's move on to a sweet little bullet from a pretty blue gun. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> so angry. The notes don't make sense. Oh no. This one is, this one was heavy of the accent is amped up a lot. Like whatever accent he's putting on, whether that's a beat accent, whether it's a blues accent, it just felt really amped up to a point where in my head, I pictured like Al Jolson singing this. Okay. Are you from, are you familiar with Al Jolson? Nope. 
it's 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 a bit unfair to him, but because it was done all the time. But he's like a vaudeville act. He was. If you ever saw a picture of like the vaudevillian blackface, oh, yeah. Al Jolson was probably the picture you saw gotcha. because he it kind of got pressed on him a lot. Even though a lot of people were doing it, I'm not forgiving him. I'm I'm yeah. not in a camp. I'm not on Al Jolson's camp to say right. that we need to you know rethink Al Jolson. But it was done a lot, but for some reason he got the brunt of it. But in my head, I picture Al Jolson in blackface singing the song and tap dancing around, and it it's not a good vibe for me. I don't like it. Gotcha. I, I don't like it. <laughs> and the album closer. Title track I have here in my notes. It's the title track, period. <laughs> there you go. I think at this point... Th- Unless it would have been a completely different artist doing something. Like, if you throw Lady Gaga as a 10th track, maybe it would have saved something a little bit. <laughs> it needed to be so different than what I got out of this to save it. It it, it didn't. It, just, it was just there. It was on there. So, all in all, musically, I like a lot of this record. I think there, are, there could be good songs in here if somebody else sang them or if he sang them differently. I just okay. don't vibe with what he was doing on this record, as you said, his other records sound differently. So I don't want to say I don't vibe with his voice, but based solely on this record, I don't vibe with his voice. Gotcha. Cause I will say I did go back and listen to big in Japan and I did not hate big in Japan, <laughs> especially after this record. Big in Japan did not give me feelings <laughs> that this record did big in Japan sure. did not make me want to commit genocidal crimes. <laughs> Did you even happen to come up with a top three at all? I, I got top three tracks. I got them here. Okay. Well, uh, number three. Yeah, number three. Number three. Whistling past the graveyard. Same as me. Wow, look at that. That's the only one we're going to have in common. <laughs> look at that. All right. Number two. Yeah. Silence in between tracks and the music <laughs> before and after he sings. So, like, the silence in between the tracks and then the silence before he sings and then when he's done singing. That's sure. my That's my second favorite track. Uh, my number two is Romeo's Bleeding. Oh, close. We always have the same one. <laughs> yeah, real close. And then number one, my favorite track is The Silence When the Album's Over. <laughs> oh, mine is uh, Christmas Card from A Hooker in Minneapolis. Yeah, I could have called that one. <laughs> I, and I, there is not a track on this record that I went back to more times to try to get a feel for. Because yeah. not even the show, like... Yes, if I wasn't listening for the show, I would have listened once and been done. I would, I would, I may not even made it through the whole thing. Yeah, but listening for the show, obviously, I'm going to listen. But then listening because I know how much that track means to you. That usually that can sometimes help me get into a record. That can help me find that first handhold to to scale this right. El Capitan size mountain <laughs> that I'm trying to overcome. And I couldn't find that handhold. I. I I went back and listened to that track first before listening to any of the rest of the record, probably four, five, six times. Yeah. And then but even when that one was over, I was like, I'm not, I can't listen to the record's record. I couldn't find that first handhold. There's not a handhold on here that I could grab to get me to the next rung of this ladder. It just didn't do sure. anything for me. I, I'm just a big fan of his uh, storytelling in the songs. I, I couldn't get around the sound enough to get into the storytelling. Gotcha. I couldn't. I couldn't block out the way he was saying something to hear yeah. what he was saying. Okay. It'd be like if some dude was just screaming the coolest story in the world to me, but in Russian. Like, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> but it sounds like a cool story, I guess. Sure. I have a little bit of cleanup before we get to the question. By all means, clean up. I got to take a walk or something. <laughs> uh, during, cool his career, during his career, Waits has had 
little chart and no major commercial success, but has attracted an immense cult following, including many other musicians who have covered and had success with some of his songs. Scarlett Johansson released an album full of Waits covers titled Anywhere I Lay My Head. Bruce Springsteen covered Jersey Girl. Rod Stewart had massive success covering Downtown Train and Tom Trubert's Blues. Uh, Johnny Cash covered Down There by the Train for his 1994 American Recordings record. Willie Nelson covered Picture in a Frame in his 52nd studio album, It Always Will Be. The Ramones covered I Don't Want to Grow Up on their final album, Adios Amigos. Bob Seger covered Blind Love, A New Coat of Paint, and Downtown Train. Tori Amos covered Time on her cover album, uh, Strange Little Girls, and performed the song on The David Letterman Show. And Nora Jones included a song Waits wrote for her titled Long Way Home on her album Feels Like Home. In 2015, Tom was ranked at number 55 on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Songwriters of All Time list and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. All right, do me a favor. Yep. And at some point, scope out the track list for that Scarlett Johansson covers record. Sure. See if there's any tracks on there from one of the records you're going to give me, and if not, I'm going to listen to that. Okay. Because I'm I want to listen. I want to hear it from a different vocalist. I don't even know what I don't even know she sang. If I'm being honest, but <laughs> I think but this was the first record. I'd be interested to hear somebody else sing it, and I don't imagine Scarlett Johansson doing what Tom Waits is doing on yeah. this record. Okay, so uh, Brand. Tom Waits, Blue Valentine, Throne, Owned, Phone, or Grown. What a, what a twist it would be if I just pulled a, held up the record right now. <laughs> I would just lose be my like, mind. well. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hated it so much I needed to have it so somebody else wouldn't be, wouldn't be forced to listen to this thing. That'd be funny. Um, for me, without a doubt, I mean, it's clear that there's no, like, making this a surprise it's yeah, a capital no. g capital r capital o all the all the letters are capital capital yeah. a capital n it's it's a groan through and through i can't yeah. it, it, i told tara before she left this morning i said well i hope this album doesn't ruin the podcast <laughs> <laughs> if no. i'm being honest i reached out to two or three people and was like listen to this please because i i needed <laughs> I needed to make sure that I wasn't. Did they listen to it? Yeah. No, no. Who, yeah, who did I and, torture with that? Uh, well, let's just say the day, actually, it might have been the day before his son was born. Uh, <laughs> Stick had actually said to me, I'm done with singer songwriters. He's like, I'm, I'm off him now. He's like, oh, get no. a fucking band or something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. He, and I said, "Oh no!" I said because he told me he's like, "I'm he's like I'm all turned around on singer songwriters now," and I <laughs> I couldn't remember his stance on them, so I was like, "Does that mean you're for them or against them?" He goes, "No, very against them." Oh no! And and I said, "What was the camel that broke? What was the straw that broke the camel's back?" And he said, "This fucking guy." <laughs> <laughs> so not only did I force Stick to listen to this <laughs> record, and he even he even like came at me like he said, "Hey." what is this? And he said it like differently. And I was like, what do you, you don't like it? And he's like, I didn't want to say like, I didn't know if you thought this was a masterpiece and I was going to shit on you or something because I just, I was in such a state where I was like, 
<laughs> maybe somebody else will hear a different way of coming at this. Sure. I couldn't like if we weren't doing this for the show, I would have like messaged you and been like, tell me what to do. Tell me how to get into this because it's from the first listen to the last listen. It didn't get easier from the first listen to the last listen. It still made me feel the same way where I'm just like, no, yeah, no, this isn't well, it. If you recall, this be- when I gave you this, I told you, I didn't know a way to come mm-hmm. at bringing this artist to you at all. Yeah. Fair. And and the That's only reason fair. I picked this record is because it's December and there's Christmas references. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not averse to any other Tom Waits records. I'll give it a go and I will with all my heart go into it trying not to hear <laughs> this record. Does he sing this way in a, in all the records like realistically? I don't yeah, mean the sound of the voice. I mean the vocal inflections and the the going up and down into like vocal fry from rasp and he, he does do different voices like all the time i i didn't hear different voices i heard a muppet the entire time if it if it wasn't louis prima like it sounded like <laughs> louis prima uh i don't know again i just be on the lookout for the next tom waits episode i guess although i wouldn't expect it for a while <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit I'm sure this was painful for you, and I apologize. Oh, no, it's all right. Maybe I'll just give it to you next time. We'll just... Uh, back to back, knock them out. Let's do it. Um, wait, so let's get it done. Actually, let's just... I'll just, I'll just choose that one this week. I, I won't even <laughs> give you one this week. I'll just, we'll just knock them out. I'll have two weeks of bad times, and then we'll be done. Gotcha. Well, Tom Waits wasn't the only thing you were listening to this week. Hopefully, you were listening to something you enjoyed. What was your record of the week this week? I was definitely listening to all kinds of things I enjoyed this week. In our pre-show meeting, I had told you I was listening to uh, a couple records, maybe thinking of giving them to you. The main reason was that I needed yeah. something that was comfort that I knew I enjoyed. <laughs> I, I I didn't even listen to many new records this week. Sure. Because it was just like, oh, man, I got to I gotta listen to comfort here. Yeah. I really need to listen to comfort. But my record of the week is 10. Uh, HWH10 by Westside Gun. It is fantastic. It's a masterpiece. It it sounds like oh, I don't want to compare it, yeah. but the prior generation had Wu Tang. This generation has Griselda. Like it's insane. It's insane. The roster he's put together. It's insane. The features he gets. Busta Rhymes is on this thing. That that yeah, alone. Is crazy. The features. It, it sounded. It sounded nuts. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to bring it to you, but I may bring you a West Side Gun record at some point. But yeah, if you want to listen to it, I'm holding off on it until you give me a West Side like. Project. I mean, but like you've heard enough West Side Gun, so it's not like his voice yeah. will be a, su- a surprise to you. True. Yeah. So if you wanted to listen to Ten, give it a go. I mean, he hits yeah. a pocket a couple times where he doesn't sound like himself, but the features alone, I think, are there to keep you. Okay. Stove God's on four or five tracks, so that'll help you. Yeah, that'll be nice. Uh, what track was the uh, bassist from Goo Goo Dolls on? Uh, the the entire it's the entire Griselda crew on it. Like it's oh, it's the bassist from Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, it's him. It's produced by Alchemist, and it's Benny Conway, Westside, Armani Caesar, Jay Worthy, um, Rome Streets, Stove God, and I think that's it. Because that's the one I said was weird that Boldy's not on Boldy's it. Not it's on really it, yeah. It's yeah. really weird. Like, I don't know if he's working on a project and he couldn't get it, but you'd think send a verse or something. Right, yeah. You would think he could put out four records in one year. you think he could throw a verse in. 
And it was a beat that Boldy could have destroyed too, but it's then I, then I think Boldy is such a different vibe that where do you put him in there? Like, where right. do you place him in that? I don't know. It's rough. It's, it's hard. I don't know. I hope, I don't know. Boldy's still putting records out, so it's not like he's trapped in a, in a, or in a contract or anything, whatever. But yeah. it was weird to not have him on there. But that it's HWH ten, referred to as just ten. Yeah, I've i found he's he's referring it to just ten a lot, which I'm like, okay, yeah, gotcha. that, understood. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. But but Westside Gun has come out and said that it's it's not glorifying Hitler. It's just a playoff Devil Wears Prada, like yeah. Devil Wears Prada. Hitler wears Hermes, and it was just like the grimy with the the luxurious like that's what yeah. he wanted to get across and that's kind of west side guns whole thing is grimy and luxurious yeah that's for sure but, yeah so that was my record of the week what's your record of the week uh my record of the week is the architects the classic symptoms of a broken spirit uh the architects uk based and like uh you know metalcore band really kind of uh doing their bring me the horizon thing that they did with their uh with their album their last album, like a- Ammo, kind of. Okay. They really time-stamped this record. A lot okay. of things with, like, technology. They have a song called Doom Scrolling. You usually hate that. I do. And really, I'm not a huge fan of it on this one, but I liked the record. I don't know what was going on with me this week. That's fair. Yeah. But uh, I-, I keep questioning ordering it or not. Because I really like Ar- Architects. Um, but this one was just kind of weird. Like I had to keep re-listening to it because I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. And then it got stuck in my head and I'm still not sure if I like it or not. Plus I have like this sickness haze going on in my mind all week long. So (laughs) it's messing with me, but yeah, I don't know. It was good enough. I liked it. Uh, I think I liked their first record. And then I don't know if I listened to them after that. I know I listened to their first record. Did you listen to Holy Hell? If it's not their first record, I don't think so. I was a big, big fan of that record. I loved that record. Okay, no, I didn't listen to their first record. I listened to one of these records. I listened to Hollow Crown. I listened to their third record. Okay. But it's weird I didn't listen to their first two after that, which is weird. I know I haven't listened to any of these records. Okay. The only one I listened to. You had, uh, did you have For Those Who Wish to Exist on your Ed list last year? I think so. Yeah, I think you did. Also, they're it was on too long, though. It was too long. All right. Well, I guess the only thing left to do is tell you what we're listening to next week. Yeah. What do I got coming to me? There was, there was part of me while listening yeah. to this that was like, "Well, this is the week. Give him Campbell Corpse. We're hot off this. Give it to him." Because <laughs> I know you're going to hate it, but it's going to happen at some point. But I, I don't want to do that to you. I'm going to give something that might have a chance and at least will elicit some conversation. You still may dislike it. I can already know points of it you may dislike, but okay. we're not going to dive into that till the episode. Uh, you heard one half of this quote-unquote rivalry, so oh. let's go to this other half, and you're going to get the album Felony by the band Amir. I remember us talking about uh, this band. Yeah, I was going to give you a different record from them, but I feel like th- there's a couple reasons. We'll talk about it on the episode. Okay. Uh, we, we will end up covering that other episode, the other album, just because I do enjoy that other album so much. Not saying I don't like this album a lot. I'm a big fan of this album too. Okay. But I think because this one has the direct diss track to Vincent on it. Yeah. 
we'll have at least a, like a stepping stone into the the record and the feel and the vibes of everything. I think. Okay. So the album "Felony" by Mirror. It's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's gonna, it's going to be something. <laughs> it's going to be something. I know that. All right. Well, uh, follow us on Twitter at AOLPod. Follow us on Instagram at AOLPod. Join the yeah. Facebook group. Link will be in the show notes. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Uh, listen to all the Joy Road Media podcasts out there. And I got nothing. This I got is nothing a rough one. This is a rough one for me. Go, go tell a Muppet about us. No, they don't need to know about us. <laughs> Especially because they'll hear about us, and then they'll go into this episode, and they'll hear me talking like the Muppet voice is a bad thing, and I don't want the Muppets <laughs> against me. I don't need Jim Henson's goons coming at me, okay? But, yeah. Scott, thank you for the episode. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you uh, took the time to listen to Tom Waits. Yeah. Not, not thank you for the album, but thank you for the episode. <laughs> thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the friendship. Oh, of course. Every time. <laughs> listeners thank you for listening but the real question is are you listening are you listening oh no muppet time what up bones oh boy listen to that trombone fuck the grammys we're done i'd dance under the name bone machine in my spare time <laughs>